Oh, can somebody help me lift up that name right now? Come on, Pentecostals, elevate the name of Jesus right now with your praise. Hallelujah, let the sound of your praise ring through this building right now. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When we praise him, not only do we elevate his name, but we also silence other things. We silence fear. We silence darkness. We silence hatred when we lift up the name of Jesus. There's power in your praise. Come on, somebody. There's power in that hand clap. You're not just making noise. There's power when you speak the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Amen. What a wonderful spirit of the Lord is in this house today. Amen. I have certainly missed my church family. Amen. And we are so glad to be home, Zane and I. We had a great time. It was wonderful. And uh, I won't go into the details, but for some odd reason, going to the point of death every year, once a year, just seems something we like to do. And so we walk the jagged line of death and come home and appreciate life. I guess that's what it's all about. We're glad to be here. Amen. Last weekend, we were preaching in Catoosa, Oklahoma, on our way to Colorado. After service, the pastor said, uh, Pastor Landrieu, I want you to pray. I have a, uh, a brother, stepbrother, I believe, actually, a brother who's in North Carolina, knew God many years ago. I've been praying for him many years. I, I'm not able to contact him on a regular basis, just the lives are busy, but you're in North Carolina. All I know to do is, would you pray? I said, sure. Where's he at? I said, well, he's he's in the Air Force, and he's uh, he's in Goldsboro. And I said, really? I said, what's his name? He told me his name. I said, well, I'm pretty connected up in that area. Hold on one minute. So I text Brother Krause. I said, would you happen to know? He said he lives right down the street. I said, Pastor, I promise you, every time this man drives by, he'll speak the name of Jesus. I said, I believe God's going to do a great work in his life. So, even from Oklahoma, we were blessing, strengthening people, reaching out to people here in Fuquay. Man, I'm thankful for that. Thank you to our music team who spent all day yesterday practicing, honing their uh, talents and skills that God gave them interlaced with the anointing of the Lord because without that it's just a concert but interlaced with the anointing of the Lord and you felt the results of that hard work yesterday. Thank you brother and sister Axtell, sister Kristen, amen, leaders of our music and all of you amen that worked so hard yesterday. Amen. I thank you to our dedicated music team. Many of them, they, they lead other ministries and departments. They got other things going on but they come here on a regular basis and practice and put their time in. And we felt that chain breaking a few minutes ago. We felt the unleashing of the Holy Ghost and prepared the way, as Pastor Barbara mentioned. Thank you to my pastoral team and leadership team. Thank you, Pastor Barbara, for doing a wonderful job filling in. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, I could be here for quite a long time just saying thank you to all of those that make me being able to get away for a couple of weeks every year on this uh, mountain sabbatical you make all that possible and i've had pastors ask me how do you manage that you don't you're not near your cell phone you don't have any cell signal up there you they drive me crazy i said man i cut that thing off with a big old smile on my face i got good people i ain't worried about it i said they generally have better revival when i'm gone i said I, that's I, that's just the way it is i'm okay with that and what a what a great report I heard just as soon as we come off the mountain, phone started banging. Amen. Uh, wonderful ministry of Brother Kleindens last week. I texted him. I said, my friend, thank you so much for being used of God. And he said, man, you got a great church. You got a great church. I said, it's God's church. It's God's church. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9, O Zion, that bring us good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountain. I don't even know why I felt this this morning. 
O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. And he shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Verse 28, Hast thou not known? You ever heard or found out about something that seemed like everybody else already knew? Hast thou not heard? Where you been? Tell your neighbor, where you been? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, <laughs> neither is weary. God is not tired this morning. God is not weary this morning. God is not stressed out or overloaded or burdened. Got too much on his plate. Got too much on his schedule. Have you not heard? There is no searching of his understanding. But he knows that you may be faint. And because of that, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that hath no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even the young man shall utterly fall. <laughs> that right, Zane. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what the word of the, of the Lord says today. Thank you for that promise. I want to minister just for a few minutes this morning. Victory in thin air. Not victory out of thin air, but victory in thin air. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your wonderful people. Thank you for your anointing that I feel in this house. I pray for every guest and visitor that has joined us here today. They're not here by coincidence. God, they didn't just stumble in here by accident. They were divinely led of the Lord, and I believe that with everything within me, God, and I pray in your work and your will would be established and accomplished in their life. Have your way over the remaining portion of this service. And everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It was a realtor sign. I get somewhat amused by real estate signs these days. Everyone's trying to get your attention. And nothing seems too outlandish to do just that. Uh, billboards, bumper stickers, realtor signs. And uh, this particular... Realtor sign, it was a real estate office high in the Rocky Mountains, and it had a sign outside, and this sign was advertising property for sale here above the snake line. When asked what the sign meant, the realtor said, well, up here in the highlands, there's an invisible line drawn by the hand of God himself. Up here, the Air is thin. There is not much oxygen as there is down in the valleys. And consequently, you won't find the crawling creatures of the valley. Camping is much easier above the snake line. If you don't like bugs, ladies, if you say, well, I can't, but I don't like bugs. I don't like those things. Well, in the place that he's advertising, you don't have to worry about that. Up here, he said, you won't find cockroaches and ants, flies and rats or mice, just bears. <laughs> here, he said, you can build a retirement cabin and have a cookout and there will be no mosquitoes. Woo. Come on, somebody. If you've ever been on a fourth Sunday fellowship around back in the church, we nearly have to put a red cross out there just to feel people back up from the mosquitoes hauling off all the blood. To think that you could live in a place where you wouldn't have to worry about mosquitoes. Zane and I were, of course, up there this week, and 
I, it was before we actually got up there, but I, I was outdoors for, I don't know, almost 10 days, and I got one mosquito bite. One mosquito bite. And I complained about that like I was going to die. I thought, well, you ungrateful rascal, by now in North Carolina, you done had about 20 of them. There you can turn the kids loose and not be afraid of them being harmed by creatures like snakes. The upper altitude is kept secure from these snakes, not because of man-made defenses or some incredible pest control company that dominates the scene, but rather a mandate from God dating back to the creation of the reptile world. Set up camp below the snake line, you are inviting peril. But move just above that mandated line by God, and safety from the snake is assured. Scripture suggests a similar line, the snake line to the mountain people. It marks a division between the upper and lower spiritual altitude. Below this line, the soul is never secure from the assault of Satan. Never really protected from the wily reptile, the deceiver and the destroyer of the soul. But above that line, it is not permitted. Below there is spiritual depletion. Below that spiritual altitude mark, there is spiritual poverty and constant weariness and constant exhaustion. Victory is always just beyond the grasp of the one who lives below this spiritual mark. Above it, there is spiritual replenishment. Those that live in this altitude and at this region and at this locale constantly seem to be working out of abundance and not just barely making it. I am amazed by people who go through trials, but somehow, often leaving me scratching my head, they come out on the other side and they're stronger. They go through difficult times and they come out on the other side and they've got more victory. They've got more praise. They've got more testimony. They've got something to praise God about it. What that trial you thought would do did just the opposite. They live in a place of spiritual abundance and security and endurance. The upper altitude is suggested in Paul's reference to the blessedness of, quote, sitting in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this, set your affection on things where? Above. And not on things on this earth. The Word of God tells us, put your attention Put your resources, put your energy, put your talent, put your money above in things that matter, above that line, above that minimum, above that basic. Isaiah speaks of a God dwelling in the high and holy places. We read today in Isaiah 40 and 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This text is not an invitation just to spend an hour in the upper altitude. It's not just a sightseeing mission. It's not just a vacation. It's not just to get away for a few days and change your scenery. It's not just to snap a few pictures or buy a postcard and then descend back into the spiritual minimum to get down into the recesses and the mud and the grime of daily living. But this text is an invitation to 
say, I'm not going to live the way I used to live. I'm changing my address. I'm moving locations. I'm not just going to church for a minimal and a, and a temporary vacation. I want to move to an upper altitude. I want to change my permanent location. This text was never meant to be an invitation for you to come to church and to climb up a little higher for an hour and a half and see what life could be like. We've all said and we've all heard, and I believe it's true to a sense, we come to church and we get a little bit of glimpse of what heaven could be like. But that's almost as if to say that every other place and every other time in the work week or any other is a place we can't obtain this anywhere else. Thank God for the church. We need the church. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as some do. We need the church. Don't ever think you can't make it without the church. But I want to tell you, if you think the only time you can feel this and experience this is at the church, then you are not taking the invitation of that scripture where it says, mount up, go into a place on a consistent basis where you live at a higher altitude and a higher plane, not just when the choir takes you there, not just when the preaching's going on, but when you wake up on Monday morning, you can get into that place of prayer. You can get into that place with God and you can abide there. Waiting on the Lord means more than a fleeting visit and an occasional sightseeing visit to the upper altitude, but rather this place I'm talking about is a place of habitation. Someone say habitation. A permanent spiritual residence. The Scripture lets us know that there are two levels on which the Christian life may be lived. There are two lives, two paths, which can be attempted, and it draws our attention to the results that are expected with these two paths. First, there is the security of the upper altitude. <laughs> Isaiah promises more strength to endure. It's those inclinations of the flesh, those things that begin to creep into our life for everybody. If you don't deal with what I'm about to say in a few minutes and list off a few things here, you've never dealt with these things or you haven't dealt with them recently, I'm, I'm going to have to call your uh, honesty into question. All of these things creep into our lives. Fear, jealousy, impurity of the mind, apathy, lust, carnality, coldness. All of these things and many more, they thrive in the lowlands. It's where they grow. It's where they multiply like bacteria or mold in the cold, dark, low places. It's where they thrive. You have in that place, and when you experience those things and you feel those things creeping into your life, you've allowed yourself to drop below the snake line. An altitude where the flesh thrives and the spirit starves where the flesh thrives and the spirit starves there's two different temperatures there's two different places one the flesh just i mean loves it and the spirit barely hangs on it's the swamp of the spirit it's in this place where you get bogged down and stagnant and immobile. It's in this place where you feel discouraged and defeated. 
Genesis 3 and 2, Eve entered into a conversation with the serpent, starting the process of taking humanity below the snake line. It's in this low land where creeping things like to hide and live. We know the enemy is a deceiver. God is a revealer. The enemy likes to hide in the shadows. He likes to whisper things to you in the dark. He likes to say things that are lies. He likes to say things that are not true. It's, it's, it's incredible to me what the enemy will try to convince people of and tell people of. And it's in this low land. It's in this spiritual depleted place where prayer is not a daily thing, but barely a weekly thing. It's when church attendance is optional. It's when the Word of God is not opened on a regular basis. It's in this low land where we start listening to the lies of the enemy. I see it on the faces of people who come to church. They've been listening to a lying Lucifer all week long. They've been living in the swamp land. They've been bogged down in carnality and coldness. And the lies of the devil have started making sense to them until they start getting into the presence of God and they get into that thinner air and the anointing of the Lord begins to break away way all of the lies and all of the deception and I see it in their eyes and they're like I can't believe I was believing that I can't believe I thought that was true I can't believe I allowed the enemy to talk to me he thrives in that low land it's not the will of God you leave church and you descend church was never meant to be the pinnacle of your week church was meant to launch you You should leave this place and elevate. You should not leave this place and then descend back into that lying pit. Descend back into that carnality and that compromise. You should leave church and say, you know what? I'm going higher. I'm going to be better. I'm going to live in a higher place. I'm going to be closer to God. I'm going to live a life that's separated from the things of this world. How many have ever turned over an old log in your yard somewhere? And you turn over that old log and you see bugs just go. Try to catch each one of these and dispose of them would be quite a task. And every time the devil tries to lie to you to try to track him down, My grandfather used to tell me, and this is so true, I've lived by this more times than I care to enumerate. He said, son, if you stop and throw a rock at every barking dog, you will not make any progress down the road. And if you try to stop and chase down every lie the devil's trying to tell you, you're going to spend all your time chasing the devil. At the end of the day, you know how you deal with it? It's the same way you deal with turning over that log. All of it can be dealt with by simply exposing them to the sun. (laughs) The way to deal with many and various kinds of struggles and sin is to not try to handle them each one at a time. I know there would be a lot more people here at church today if they could see this revelation because many of them think they're going to clean their life up and then come to church. Well, you know, I'm a mess right now, preacher. I don't need to be in church. Yeah, I mean, you've heard it too. When I get all this straightened up, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get right with God. Yeah, go ahead and patch that bullet hole and call the hospital and tell them you'll be there when you get that bullet hole patched up. And many people they want to try to deal with all this on their own and handling on their own and get all, get all right and refined and right with God, and then show up to church. You will spend the rest of your life chasing the devil around. What you need to come is get into the presence of God, expose that to the sun, get out of that lowland and get into that sunlight and allow the presence and the power and the Word of God to begin to help you through those things that creep into your life in the darkness and in those low places of your life. 
Bring them into the light. Proverbs 28 and 13. You hear me read this a lot because I believe it's such a powerful principle that if we could get a hold of, we wouldn't struggle so much. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Period. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Mercy is not found to the deceiver, to the one who covers, to the one who hides in the shadows and the darkness. But he that understands and knows that I'm going to get into the sunlight, I'm going, to, I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to bring this before God, and I'm going to allow God to help me. You know, as a movement, we have stopped preaching and stopped practicing the biblical commandment of confessing. Period. We have lied to ourselves and told ourselves that we can just pray a little prayer of repentance and move on. But can I tell you that part of the penalty of sin is shame? And oftentimes, it is the best thing that you can possibly do is to say before God, this is what I did. And if you did it to somebody else, go to that person and say, this is what I did. I ask you to forgive me of this. I'm confessing this. I'm getting this out in the open. I'm laying this out here. I'm not going to hide it and act like it didn't happen. I'm going to lay it out there. And then the process of healing can take place. James 5 and 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. Somebody say healed. You can be forgiven, but you may not be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Didn't say that you may be forgiven. Forgiveness of sin comes from God, but healing often comes from one another. And in that lowland, Below that snake line, we like to think that we don't have to do that because that's uncomfortable and that's awkward and that's not necessary. And then we will struggle with the wounds of an offense for far too long when we could have years ago dealt with it and received the healing that God intended for us. We often say this, well, it ain't nobody's business. Right? Well, then you carry that bullet hole around the rest of your life and you scar yourself and you scar generations after you. Why was mama so angry? Why was daddy so bitter? Why was dad so mad all the time? Because he never allowed God to heal that wound in his heart. He never dealt with that. He carried that grudge around for 20 years. He was mad at that person for 15 years and he may have prayed a thousand times, God forgive me for what I've done, but he never turned the log over and allow the sunlight to bathe what was underneath it and be healed by it. Can I tell you today, one of the most spiritual things you could do in this church house today is not run around the building or stand at the altar and talk in tongues or shout around. All of those things are wonderful. But maybe the most spiritual thing that you could do today is pick up the phone and call somebody you've been holding a grudge against. Maybe the most spiritual thing you could do would be to approach somebody and say, hey, I'm asking you to forgive me right now because my attitude has not been right. My spirit has not been in line and I want healing from God today. I promise you if you can do that, you can elevate your walk with God. You can elevate your family. You can elevate your ministry. You can elevate your purpose. It's not the will of God that you reside in the valley of resentment and offense and hurt. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I've asked God to forgive me. Why am I still struggling? Why am I hurting? Why do I still feel wounded? Why do I still feel condemned? Because there's no confession. And therefore, there has been no healing. We go to the doctor's office and they start asking those thousand questions that we hate. What's your symptoms? What have you been doing? How are you? How are you? like, good Lord. No, 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 no. And then you go, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have been. And he's like, Pfft. he's been trying to get you to tell the truth the whole time. You've been walking going, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. He's wrong with me, I'm fine, I'm fine. Okay, let me just ask you a few questions. And he started going through the questions about question 15. You're like, you know what, actually, I have. 
Sometimes we come to the presence of God and we're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No problem here. And conviction saying, what about this? Where's your joy? Where's your praise? Why ain't you as close to God as you used to be? Why ain't you reading the Word of God like you used to? Where was you? Where's your witness? Uh, why ain't you involved in the church anymore? Why are you on the outside looking in? Why are you doing the things that you used to do? Because that's still backsliding any way you look at it. Uh, why are you not where you used to be? If you're not close as God to where you are now than where you were five years ago, then you have regressed. You have somehow given up ground. Why is that? And when conviction starts asking those questions and the Word of God starts revealing and the sunlight comes out, then you start understanding, hey, there's some things I've got going on I need to deal with. I need to get into some thin air. I need to walk up a little bit. I need to elevate myself. And then God can heal me. Listen to pastor when I tell you, when it comes to your mistakes, there's only two options. Say two options. Not ten, two. Confess and forsake. Not confess and repeat. <laughs> confess and forsake. Or option two, hide and repeat. You hide it, you will repeat it. Because there's no consequence to it. I got by with it. I'm all right. You don't know there's a wound in your heart that will manifest itself. And so the best thing you can do is deal with it. God, I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with everyone that it has affected. I'm going to be honest with everything and every person in my life that this has, this has somehow hurt. And when I get this out in the open and when I confess this and when I turn this log over and I allow the sunlight of God and His presence to, to wash over me, I know I can be healed. I know I can be healed. I'm amazed as a, as a pastor who counsels occasionally when I begin to talk to people about something they're struggling with, hurting, often they'll recite an incident that may have taken place last week or two weeks ago or maybe a month ago. But I generally will overlook that for the moment. That's a symptom of a much deeper problem. And when I dig a little further, nearly every single time, it's not this that's the problem. It's way down there. A long time ago, rather than confessing and forsaking and dealing with it, they just covered it up. They said, we'll just do it. And now, years later, it's manifesting itself. You ever had a splinter that you get in your skin? And you're like, oh, I don't want to take that out. Oh, Lord, no, I can't take that out. Zane was small. He, got, he was a lot smaller, and he got a, a splinter. And he's like, oh, Dad, I can't take it out. No, no, I can't take it out. I'm like, son, I promise you're going to want to take it out. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. All right. All right. A few days later, you know what happened. That thing swole up. He's like, oh, take it out. Take it out. Take it out. We do that in our own life. We want to cover it up and act like we're just medicated a little bit. We're just, we're just put on a good face and we'll just act like it and we ain't dealing with it. We ain't got it going on. When the best thing you can do is get down to an altar and go through the pain of repentance. The best thing you could do is go through the awkwardness of a confession and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm sorry that I did this, but I want to bring this into the sunlight because there's victory in that higher high road. There's victory in taking that high road and saying, hey, I want to make this right so I can heal part of our journey to higher ground is about leaving no stone unturned no issue undealt with and no sin covered spiritual maturity and spiritual elevation faithfulness to God stretch yourself raise your altitude get a foothold like that little girl coming in from the flower garden with soiled hands, dress and shoes with soil all over them, who made this refreshing observation to her mother. She said, Mom, I, I know why these flowers grow. I know why all these flowers grow. Her mom was like, why? Because they want to get out of the dirt. You ain't ever going to grow if you constantly live in the dirt. 
wallow around in pity and gossip and backbiting and wallow around in the lowlands. And, and if you're comfortable getting in the, all of that mess and all of that drama and you like stirring all that up, you ain't going to grow. The flower says, I'm getting up out of this dirt. I'm, I'm reaching for the sunlight. I've got beauty in me. I've got purpose in me. There's a reason in me. God's called me for more than this. At some point in your walk with God, you got to understand I was not created to be buried in the dirt. I was not created to wallow around in the mud of carnality and sin and iniquity. God's called me for something better than this. Can I tell you, when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he did not give that Holy Ghost to you to reside in the swamplands and in the lowlands and in the muck and the mire. He gave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to ascend, to rise, to go to a higher place. People grow by stretching themselves to higher altitudes. In the lowlands, in the land of bare minimum, in the nation of nominal, the struggle is real and the struggle is constant. Everybody goes through things. But not everybody goes through things. You know what I'm saying? Some people, they go through things and through things and through things. They just never get out of things. Other people say, I'm pressing on. I'm in a tough time right now. I'm going through a difficult moment right now. I'm in the fight of my life right now. But I promise you, I'm ascending. I'm going to get stronger. I'm moving out of this. This ain't where I live. This is just what I'm going through. This ain't who I am. This is just what I'm dealing with. This is not my identity. This is not my residence. This is not where I stay. I'm moving on. We got people in church today, you need to make a change of address. You need to pack a few things up because you've been living in that lowland for far too long in the bare minimum, hanging out in the lowland. You need to say, you know what? It's time to pack my bags and become something more than what I've been. It's time for me to move on up the street a little bit. It's time for me to go to a higher elevation. I've been doing the bare minimum. I've been doing whatever it takes just to barely get by. But that's not who God called me to be. Ain't a single one of you got the Holy Ghost and somebody come up to you and say, congratulations, God has called you to barely make it. Right? Congratulations, the struggle's going to be real all your life. Oh, congratulations, sister. I know you wanted to fly, but you're going to crawl the rest of your life. Nope, when God filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost from that point on, that should have been the lowest point, not the highest point. We got too many people reflecting on yesteryear, talking about, oh man, I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I used to do that. You fell off the mountain. Can I tell you today, that should have been the starting point. And from there, you should have elevated and ascended and grew. And if you have found yourself this morning having regressed and backed up a little bit, it's not too late, because if you haven't noticed, the trumpet has not sound and this carpet is not gold and we have not arrived yet you can still be what God wants you to be the attacks have been persistent and constant but there is something better than a constant struggle it's not the will of God for you to be in a constant battle it's not the will of occasionally yes we all go through things and it is not the will of God for you to have to live in a place of low spiritual habitation. One of our famous pilots about the close of World War I landed his plane in Kobar, Arabia. Brother Krause, you probably have heard this story. Why there are... In that moment, he flying, there was a large rat that managed to get into his airplane. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> Can you imagine flying at 30,000 feet and a rat running around? Oh, good. The pilot realized he was in there while he was in flight because he heard that rat knowing something was behind him. 
Alarmed that the rat would chew something vital to his engine or something vital to the controls, he began to panic. And then the pilot remembered something, that rats cannot live at high, altitude, at high altitudes. So he pointed the nose of that plane straight up until it became difficult for him to breathe. And then he continued that altitude until the gnawing stopped. <laughs> he heard that devil chewing. Right? I know y'all have never dealt with this, but one of the first houses I ever lived in, I had a rat that was so big in that house. He carried a potato in the house. And I could hear him through the wall eating that potato that I found the next morning. And this pilot, he heard this gnawing. and think, My Lord, he's going to gnaw something in two and going to cause me to crash. And rather than trying to fight him and look for him all the time, try to deal with it. I'm, I got to find out what's going on. I got to dig into it. I got to get into all this business. I got to, he just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep climbing. I'm going to keep climbing. And as he raised his altitude, he realized that it cannot survive in that altitude. Can I tell you today, so many people are fighting the devil on his turf. And, and, and throughout the week, you fight him in the lowlands. The best thing you can do is just take that altitude and just go straight up. I'm going to pray this devil out of here. I'm going to worship until he just gets out, until he's uncomfortable and he can't take it anymore. I'm going to get down and grovel with him. I'm not going to sit here and, and negotiate with him or have a conversation with him. I'm going to get up in that place of high praise. I'm going to elevate myself, my walk with God. And when I get there, I know he can't survive. For some today, the devil has been constantly gnawing at you and pestering you like the rat in that plane. And the best thing you can do is get to an elevation where he can't survive. That's why we encourage you to elevate your worship. Respond to the preaching. Clap your hands. Sing, not for our benefit, but for yours. I don't want you clapping because I'm preaching. My flesh likes that too much and that ain't good. But I know when you respond to the singing, to the preaching, when you respond to God's presence, can I tell you, you're elevating yourself. And in that place, that gnawing, lying devil that you've been dealing with all week, he starts to shut up and you start to silence the lies of the enemy. And you can hear the voice of God. His voice is clear. His voice will echo through your spirit. His voice, like the high altitude in the mountains, when the word of God is preached, it'll echo on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday, you still can hear the voice of God. You get into that high altitude and sound carries a long way. You can hear the voice of God preached on Sunday and by Wednesday it's still reverberating and echoing in your spirit when you're at that place. But when you're living in that low land and there's so much noise and so much trash and so much constant distraction in your life, by Tuesday you can't even tell me what I preached. Come on, somebody. Why can't you remember? Why is it still not echoing on your mind? Well, you can't preach, Pastor. Well, that may be the thing, but can I tell you, can you remember the Word of God? Can you at least remember the verse in this text that we read at the beginning? Because if you can remember that and let it echo through your spirit all week long, I promise you in a higher elevation, that can take place. When you're talking about this and not everything else, it's an echo. You're reminding yourself of it. We're trying to get you to a higher elevation. Why? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity bringing into captivity mm. Mm. every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, the eagle is well aware of the perils of the lowlands and why he may forage for living in the lowlands. He may have to work in that environment. Occasionally, the eagle has to come down 
and clock in. Right? He may have to occasionally come down and forage around. He may have to earn a living at that altitude. You'll never find an eagle building a nest on the ground. Because he says, I don't belong there. That's, that's not where I reside. You know, I live, I'm in the world, not of the world. I live in this world. And the last time I checked, me praying over the phone to Duke Energy did not pay my bill. My landlord, I told him I loved him. I read Bible scriptures to him and he still wanted a check. Sometimes I got to make a living down here. But I ain't living down here. The eagle said, sometimes I got to drop down there and I got to get some things to sustain myself. I got to. But I ain't building a nest down there. That ain't who I am. That ain't where I belong. I don't reside in that place. He builds his nest high in the cliffs beyond the reach of the reptile world. He does not needlessly expose himself and does not spend his leisure time defending his life against hazards from which the upper altitudes are free. Pastor, why is it the devil just won't leave me alone? You're living in his backyard. What you're watching, what you're listening to, the people you're hanging around with, where you spend your leisure time, you're in his backyard. What do you expect? All he's got to do is walk out in the backyard and punch you around a little bit and go down and sit down and take a rest. What you need to do is start climbing into a higher place with God. Not just on Sunday. This is a brief reprieve. Sunday is not the barometer. Thank God you're here. I want you here every time you could possibly be here. This is not the barometer. This is you going on vacation and getting a brief view of where you should be. It's an overlook. But what you should do is to say, I'm going to move to that place. The way I pray at church, I'm going to pray in my living room. The way I worship God at church, that's the way I'm going to worship going down the road as long as I don't get in a wreck. <laughs> the way I talk to people at church is the way I'm going to talk to people on my job. Come on, somebody. The way I pray on Sunday night intercessory prayer service is the way I'm going to pray every Monday morning when I walk into my prayer closet. It's not going to be just an occasional visit. It's going to be a change of address. Stand with me if you would. An army bomber flying over a fog-shrouded New York in 1945 crashed into the 79th floor, killing 13 people. After an exhaustive investigation, thousands and thousands of dollars went in to try to discover why an army bomber would crash into the 79th floor killing 13 people after an exhaustive investigation the only conclusion that could be reached was he was flying too low no adverse weather condition no plane malfunction but the required altitude of 5,000 feet was not being followed. I want to warn you today the peril of low altitude flying. Of bare minimum. I'm preaching today to people. They blame their struggles on everything else. Well, my dad was an alcoholic. Well... You should see what I have to live with. Oh, pastor, if you only knew what I had to go through. Oh, if you only knew the struggle. That's why I'm struggling. That's why I'm making mistakes. That's why I'm, I can't seem to get the victory. Well, after an exhaustive investigation costing you zero dollars, let me just tell you, you're just flying too low. Period. Flying too low. 
What about the altitude of your associations? Come on, young people. Come on, everybody. What's the altitude of your associations? Are you flying too low? You've heard me say it before. I've heard Pastor Barber teach it. You are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. Take the five people that are in your life the most, and you are the average of those five people. What is the altitude of your associations? If you are hanging around with buzzards all, buzzards all the time, you are not going to fly like an eagle. You don't belong there. You don't reside there. Doesn't mean you don't love people that are not serving God. You love them. You care about them. But you don't fly in that area. You don't live in that place. You don't have a habitat there. You don't stay there. Because God has called you to a higher place. Some boys was climbing in the high cliffs along the shore of Nova Scotia. And they came upon an eagle's nest. And in it there were some tiny eagles. One of them took home and placed one of these young eagles with a mother hen and her tiny chicks. Here the little pet grew, but the eagle becoming more and more unlike the other chicks would stand alone in the barnyard looking up at the sun. In the course of time, he would try to flop his wings along the ground. One day, as he was standing in the sunlight, as usual, another eagle flew over the barnyard. The pet eagle became strangely agitated. Standing on his tiptoes, he unfolded his wings and with a strange cry, he rose from the ground. Higher and higher until he presently disappeared from sight. It was a great day in the life of the eagle when he discovered that he was not made to be an ordinary barnyard chicken. He was not called to spend his life scratching around in the dirt, but his place was in the heavenly. Oh, what a wonderful day it could be today for the defeated Christian when they realized they were not created to scratch around in this earth. What a victorious day it could be for somebody today when they take inventory of where they're at and they realize despite what the devil's been trying to tell me, maybe despite what others have tried to tell me, I'm better than where I'm at right now. God gave me the Holy Ghost to be more than what I am right now. I am not reflecting the goodness of God in my life the way I should. I was designed for a higher place. God put in something inside of me that should cause me to elevate, and I have been living in this low land for far too long. Can I tell you, it's a wonderful place to be when you don't allow all that stuff in the dirt and the mire and the grime to get into your life and discourage you and pull you down when you realize I'm better than that. Now, I'm not better than anybody. I'm better than that. I'm not self-righteous. I'm not better than anybody else. But I can tell you, God did not intend for me to live there. God did not intend for me to live in that place of discouragement and depression. God created for me for a better place and a higher land. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to pray over you right now. Father, I'm asking you right now for every eagle, every eagle that's in this room right now, God, that's been scratching around in the dirt, is living below the spiritual line that you created them to live. Father, I pray today you would give them the courage to begin to flap their wings, begin to elevate God, to begin to stretch this morning, begin to reach for you today, God, so that they can start becoming what you have created them to become. 
I rebuke the lies of the enemy in their life right now in the name of Jesus. I silence the voice of the adversary right now. I come against that spirit of mediocrity and apathy right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would strengthen somebody to step out and begin moving towards the place that you've called them to be, God. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I feel God calling me to a higher place. Far too long I've been living below the line that God created me to be. I open these altars up to you right now. This is where it starts. This is where it begins. This is where you take that step. This is where you respond to the Word of God and you say, Lord, help me to elevate. Help me, God, right now to reach for that higher place. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost drawing somebody right now. He's giving you an opportunity. He's calling you right now. Break through that low living mentality. Come on, somebody, stretch your hands to the sky and say, God, help me today. I want that victory. I want that joy. I want that peace that's found in that place. I will touch somebody right now. Holy Ghost minister, somebody right now. Come on, I'm challenging somebody to take dominion over that low living spirit, that low lying enemy in your life. Come on with your eyes closed and your hands stretched to the heavens. I reach for that higher place today. Come on, somebody may need to repent, confess to God today. Forgive me. I release the weight of this condemnation right now. I lay this mistake at the altar. I lay this transgression at the foot of Calvary right now. I ask you, God, to cleanse me even now so I may elevate. Come on, you're in the presence of God right now. This is where it happens. This is where it takes place. Touch somebody right now. In the name of Jesus. Loose somebody. Set somebody free today. Liberate somebody through the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. Speak his name. Speak his name. Every chain is broken. At the name of Jesus, every fear is 